Good morning. What a beautiful day to begin Advent season. Rarely do you get to see the gentle snowfall with a nice temperature out there, just like picture perfect. And the whole thing with Advent, you know, I learned a lot about Advent when uh, our former associate pastor, Chris McQueen, who's now pastors at the Guelph Vineyard, when he was here, I think he was here for eight years, but I learned so much from him with regards to the whole aspect of Advent calling us to wait, that anticipation, and that uh, the Hebrew people who are waiting for the Messiah to come, we are in a similar position waiting for the second return of Jesus. And it's that whole thing that in the wait, there's something about it's leaning into the Father and just trusting the Father is going to minister to us as we wait. And what I like about the candles is that each week we add an extra candle that's lit. And it's the whole thing that Jesus is the light of the world. And as we get closer and closer to the coming of the birth of Jesus, the, the light gets greater and greater. I just like, I like the imagery. It helps me be able to focus on that. And I hope that's for you as well. So we're, we're in the season of Advent. We've entitled this uh, Humble King When Royalty Meets Humility. Now, I just want to also make mention that I didn't come up with that title all by myself. <laughs> uh, titles aren't the easiest thing to come up with, but the U.S. Vineyard, on the, it's called Vineyard Digital. They have a website there, and they have uh, devotionals for Advent and other, other resources. And they had one entitled this, A Humble King, when royalty meets humility. And uh, I'm not following the devotional itself, but I just thought the title was good and it gave some like rails for me to run on as we go into this Advent season. But if you want to check that out, you can. You can sign up for free, right? You get limited resources, but it's, it's well worth it. I'd really highly recommend that. So I want to begin with another story from my days as a police cadet with the uh, Toronto Police Service. And then it was known as the Metropolitan Toronto Police Force. Different language. They changed it. What's interesting is all the police services have gotten rid of the name force because that sounds too aggressive. Mind you, when you look at the uniform, it's like, well, the uniform has become pretty aggressive (laughs) over time. But that's... That's interesting. Anyway, when I was a cadet, one of the assignments when I was assigned at the headquarters duty desk, one of the assignments was that you'd have to go up to the sixth floor with with the chief and the deputy chiefs and the chairman of the police commission. That's where their offices were. And it was near the end of the afternoon to fill in for a couple hours at the reception desk. Right, so there would be the elevators would open up and there's the reception desk. Go down one way and there's the three offices for the three deputies. Go the other way and it's the office of the executive officer, the chief and the chairman. Protocol with the Toronto Police Service was that whenever, whenever an officer was met by a deputy or a chief, that if you're in uniform wearing your hat, you come to attention salute, do the salute. If you don't have your hat on, and this is in uniform or not, if you're working, then you just come to attention. So the fact, realizing, I remember my first question when I was told I might have to do this job from time to time, go up there. My question was, so you mean to tell me every time somebody, one of them passes by, I got to stand up and come to attention? And I was, yep. (laughs) Okay. Whatever. So I remember the first time I went up there and there was a couple times, you know, came up, stood at attention, sir, <laughs> do that thing. And then there was once, there was this one deputy, and I can't think of his name for the life of me. He was a big guy, and he came out, and when he came out, he intentionally didn't want to look at me, 
And he just motioned with his hand to just stay seated. And he, and he walked over to where, wherever he was going. And I thought, well, that's, that's, that's different. And I was just like, hmm, wonder what that's all about. And, uh, and then, he, then at one point, he did come out. And he came over to me, and I went to stand up, and he just motioned, and I just stay seated. And he just wanted to, he just, all he wanted to do was just, he introduced himself, wanted to know my name, thanked me for doing the job there, and uh, was, I was just blown away. <laughs> and uh, it was a few days later, I remember I was talking to one of the admin people who worked on that floor, and I said to her, I said, I shared with her the account. What happened? And she said, oh, yeah. And this is, this is the word she said. She said, he's just a very nice man. She said, he's very nice. He's, he's just, and the word she uses, he's just so humble. And I was like, wow. <laughs> and I was just so blown away by it. And, uh, and that whole thing, that word, the word humble or humility, um, it's one of those words I find anyway, and I don't know if you find this, but it's one of those words where, it's not a tangible word where you can touch it and, f- and, and feel it and, and, you know, point and go, well, there's humble or there's humility, right? You can't do that. But the f- thing is, you can see it when it, when it comes before you. When, when you're faced with it, you can see humility. You can see humble, right? And because you just, you just know it. And so I had to ask myself as I was preparing for this was, so what is it that I'm seeing like, what was it was I seeing with that deputy chief? What was it? What was it? And I realized what I see when I encounter someone who, who exudes humility, what, what, what I'm seeing is that they are comfortable being around me, but also I'm, I feel very comfortable being around them. And they just make me feel like I'm an equal. That's exactly how I was feeling with that deputy chief. I felt like I was an equal. And there's an interest they have in me as a person, right? There is, there is that. And you come away feeling, you feel nice <laughs> is how you feel. It makes you feel nice. The, the best description I have, I feel like, and this might not make sense, I feel like my heart smiles on the inside. And... That's just, it's just how it makes me feel. Like there's this smile, it does something to me. Now the actual definition of humble is this. It's the correct estimate of one's self. It's seeing myself as equal to all others, comfortable with my weaknesses and my strengths. It's seeing both. It's comfortable with what? That's the correct estimate of oneself. That's what humility or humble means. Now, there is a word that I would say is its evil cousin to the word humble, and that's the word humiliate. Now, what's interesting is both of those words have a relationship to the original Latin word that's there. Talking about, you know, bringing something low, right? But the difference between the two, humble and humiliate, is that humble is the correct view of oneself, whereas humiliate is actually someone who denigrates, shames, degrades. It's that type of thing. So if someone comes says to me, you suck, They've humiliated me. That's what they've done. 
Same thing if I say to myself in my head, I suck. I've humiliated myself. Both are destructive. Both are. What you don't want to do is confuse humble or humility with humiliate. Totally different. Totally, totally different. So let's talk about what Advent's all about, the coming of God in the flesh. Jesus was born to parents who were poor. They were peasants. They ended up at, shortly after the birth of Jesus becoming refugees and fleeing to Egypt. They also were parents that were questionable in the eyes of their neighbors. Mary was pregnant before she got married. Don't doubt for a second, there wouldn't be within the Jewish community some people going, what's up with that, right? The other thing to realize that on the, the birth of Jesus, there was no heavenly announcement made, not to the Roman emperor, not to any king of the region, not to any governor, didn't announce to the chief priest. And you would think if there's going to be a grand announcement of the Messiah coming, you would think it would be over the temple area, wouldn't it? Like with when you have all the, make sure you have all your religious leaders, your Pharisees, your Sadducees, all your priests together and make this announcement, your Messiah has come. There's none of that. The announcement made, and we read that in Luke's gospel, is to some poor, no name, general laborers out in the field in the middle of the night. Not even like when no one's around, right? That's when the announcement is made. That's the announcement of the king of all kings, the king of all emperors, that's when and how it gets made. And you juxtapose that. You put it side by side with if one of the British royalty becomes pregnant, everybody knows. It's in every newspaper. Every media outlet has it. And it's talked about forever until the birth comes. And then they follow the little guy or girl, you know, all over the place. It's huge, right? There, there's accolades poured out on them. There's... Uh, gifts given to them. The child is born into wealth. You know, not a life I'd want. <laughs> but it's just totally, those two events, one, Jesus, the king of kings coming into our world, and the birth of a British uh, royalty, different as night and day, the two. Totally different. But here's the thing I want you to grasp. That the way Jesus came into our world, the way God came in the flesh, that's the only way God would or could come to us. That's the only way. You know, all this pomp and circumstance that we think of should be for royalty. Like, you know what's going to take place when Prince Charles becomes king. (laughs) You know the, you know the gold carriage will come out, like everything, right? Like 
be, it'll be a huge event. But that's not the way God would do that. That's not how love rolls, and it's not how God rolls ever, ever. The early church, they had a hymn they sang, and it was a song about their king, but it was a song for also remembering, remembering who it is, this God they served. And it's found in Philippians. Paul quotes it in the second chapter, and it reads, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross." And it goes on after that about how God raised Jesus up to become the king of kings. And the birth of Jesus, along with everything that entailed that event, all point to one prominent attribute of God that is, comes from love. And that is the attribute of humility of humbleness. Because what was being presented there is that a true king, a real king, real royalty, is a humble king. At home with superstars and at home with police cadets. Both. Comfortable with both. Now, as the New Testament writers point out and as John in his gospel points out, Jesus is the one and complete revelation of God. In other words, when we see whatever we see Jesus saying or doing, that is God. That revelation of God didn't start when Jesus began his public ministry. We see God in God's fullness at the very birth when that little baby infant took their first breath and went, wah, that was God in the flesh. That's the reality of who God is. Now here's the thing about humility that I want you to take away. I want you to remember today. When you encounter a person who exudes humility, there is also something else that comes to the surface. We don't look for it, and we don't necessarily will put our finger on it, but we know it's there. And what you see from that person, and what I saw in that deputy chief, is this. Integrity. Integrity. You know it's there. Now, some would call it trust, but there's that thing. That's what I felt with that deputy, that here is a person. I can trust this person. I can trust this man. I felt safe with this guy. That's the deep feelings, right? Because integrity means, speaks of soundness, speaks of wholeness, speaks of something that is solid stability, Because there's something deep down that says when we see that, when we encounter humility in a person, 
there's something that we know that whatever they say they will do, they will do. We know it. We know it. That, and this is what I want you to understand, that gives birth to hope. Genuine hope. That's why hope and wish are totally different. Wish, because we sometimes use hope like wish. I hope something happens. But hope is not a roll of the dice. That's wish. We roll it. I wish that would happen. I wish it wouldn't snow or whatever, right? That's wish. But what I want you to remember is that hope is built on the integrity of a person, whether through their actions or words, because what they say will take place. It will occur. It will. You go back into Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus addresses something that's tied to this right here. It's in Matthew 5, and when he's talking about vows, and Jesus says these words, just say a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. And why does he say that? Why, why, is he, why does Jesus say this? Jesus says this because humility breeds integrity. It doesn't need anything to prop it up. That's why Jesus was saying that when you, if you have to say something and prop it up with a vow to the temple or a vow to this or a vow to that, what's present there, there's a bit of actually wanting to elevate oneself in doing that. And doing that, that's, that's arrogance. It's not humility because the kingdom of God says what it says it will do. What God says God will do. What Jesus said then when he was present here on earth, Jesus did. What Jesus says to us now today, Jesus does. When Jesus said to his disciples, I will be with you to the end of the age. Jesus is with you. What Jesus has said about the future coming, that's hope. Why it's different than a wish? Because you can go to the bank on it. Because Jesus, God, is a humble God. Jesus is our humble king. The one we can lean on, the one we can trust in. We know that if Jesus has said it, we can trust it. The prophets told that there was going to be a Messiah coming because that's what God put in their hearts. It happened. God is faithful that way. God is a God who follows through on what he says. We know that because Jesus is the same. Jesus is the complete revelation. Now, that hymn that Paul quoted in Philippians, 
that the early church sang, when Paul introduced that hymn in his letter, he prefaced it with these words. It's Philippians 2, verse 5. And Paul says, you, me, Scott, must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And then Paul introduces the hymn. We are called, as his followers, to be people of humility, to be people who are humble, to be people who have integrity and people who exude hope to others. That's what we're called to be. As his follower, I'm called, you are called to be a bearer of hope in our world. During these last two years and as we move forward into 2022, we can be the ones who can be hope in this world in what we say to others and in our actions towards all others, right? Hope is birthed from integrity and integrity comes from a life of humility when I walk in those ways. And that's the life Jesus calls to. That's the life of our humble king. That's how Jesus came into our world. I'm going to close here at this point. One of my pet peeves, (laughs) it's just a little pet peeve, but it's a pet peeve nonetheless. Church signs, pet peeve. (laughs) Pet peeve because you only have a little window to say something. And it's like, if you only got a little window, say something that's meaningful. Yes, meaningful. Because it's just limited space. And the signs aren't generally for the people who come to the church. They're for for people who are driving by. So you want to say something that's going to be meaningful to them, something that they can understand, something they're going to grasp, right? Something that'll speak to them. And yesterday, I wanted to change the sign, the words that were on the sign out front. And we don't have, that's not a big sign. Because when you look at the size of the letters, you can only put so many words on there. That's hard. It's better if you can, you know, ramble. (laughs) And my original thought was, for the first week of Advent, what I want to put is that Jesus is is our hope in this world. But I had a check in my my heart, because what I started to think of, so what does that mean to the person living in that apartment over there? Does it mean anything to them? And it's like, I don't know. I'm not sure. I was in my office and going, so God, what do I say? And it was like, well, you know, give hope, like do it. There's this thing about that if we read Jesus is our hope, that we take a passive approach, sit back and wait for Jesus, come be my hope. But we have hope. We as his followers have hope. And we are called to to bring that hope, to give hope to others, to give hope to all. And I want to encourage other people who are in those apartments or in the houses or driving by on school days or students or whatever to think about that, that we can give hope to other people. We can give hope to one another. We're called to be that. Understand that we have the spirit of Jesus. I have the Holy Spirit in me. I may be the only Jesus people see. And I want to to walk with integrity. I want people to know that what I say is what I'll do. When they see me, when they listen to me, when they hear me, when they watch me, I want them to know that there's integrity there. I want that. 
It's okay for me to put it on a sign. But if, if I'm not that, it doesn't wash. People are looking. And just like I could tell at the age of 19, I could tell. Like I knew humility when I saw it. I knew it. There are so many things that I picked up 18, 19, 20, 21, when I was just learning how to grow up, be an adult, and be a police officer that I learned from senior officers and stuff. That spoke about integrity, that spoke about how to live my life and walk out my life. So many things, just nuggets, just nuggets, just nuggets. And I want you to know, if you're older than 21, people younger than you are watching you. They're watching I'm not an extrovert. I didn't talk a lot. (laughs) But I watched. I watched people. I watched. I learned from a lot of senior officers valuable lifelong lessons. We get to bring hope to people. We get to be that good news for people. People need it. They really do. Let me just pray. Lord, you know, it's easy to teach something like this. It's easy to put words up on a signboard. That's all easy to do. What's not easy, God, is to walk this out. But we so desperately want to walk it out. So desperately do. Father, I just pray, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just be able to take these words from your scripture, Lord, and just to be able to start kneading them into our hearts, into our minds, so that they are there. They just start to be part of who we are. And Father God, continue to reveal to us, Lord, you're great because you are a humble God. You are are great because you emptied yourself and you came and lived with us. You came, as John in his gospel said, you made your home among us. We so thank you for that. And we thank you, Lord, that we now, with your Holy Spirit, can come and be with other people, be with our neighbors, be with those, Lord, whoever we encounter day to day. And I pray, I pray for those listening, pray for us here. I just pray, Lord, that we will just be captured by your words, Lord, captured by your life that you, you bring to us. Because, Jesus, you bring real, real life. And, Father, I pray for those, if anyone's listening who has never encountered you, I pray, Lord, that they will know that with you, Jesus, they are safe. Where it seems like in life, Lord, there's nowhere to turn. Who do you trust? That, Lord, that right now, today, right now, right now, they can look to you and lean into you. And for those who are watching, if you've never said yes to following Jesus and say, I'm going to make that an intentional part of my life, then I pray right now that you will make that decision to say, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm going to walk with you. You have the way of life. All you have to do is say, Jesus, yes, I recognize who you are, that you came as God in the flesh. You came to rescue and I need rescuing. God is faithful. You say that, God is there in a flash. He's present with you. So I pray you'll just receive that now. So Jesus, we just thank you that you continue to guide us and lead us and direct us. We say, come Holy Spirit.